Howdy, folks. Welcome back to another episode of the Texas Signal Signal Cast. I'm your host, Joe Desotel, and I'm here with my co-host, Jessica Montoya-Coggins. Hello, Jessica. Hey, guys. And I am joining you from the mind of Ted Cruz, as Jessica <laughs> pointed out. Um, we his, actually- virtual, his virtual background shows him on a, a beach right now. And so I, when, it, when it popped up, I just thought of Ted Cruz in Mexico. That's hilarious. And we had a really great meme today on our social media from Ted Cruz uh, from the Biden speech when he apparently was like falling asleep the whole time. He couldn't stay awake during the speech. But um, and then we made this uh, our team made a funny meme of like him with like what he was thinking. And it was just he was dreaming about being on the beach in Cancun. So uh, it's pretty funny. Still lots of material to, to make fun of Ted Cruz for, um, you know, I don't know if you got to watch uh, all of the speech. I know you watched some of it, but I was really impressed. And it's just like such, you know, you think about the, the four previous years, what we had to go through. And you know what, to be quite honest, it's nice to have a, a president where you can fall asleep while they're talking um, and wake up and there not be some crazy disaster uh, or some something you have to just be shocked and awed by that they might have said or be planning to do. So, you know, I think uh, Biden should really take that as, um, as a badge of honor that uh, that he's he's so policy focused and, and oriented towards jobs and infrastructure that it just puts people like Ted Cruz to sleep. So that is true. My sleeping patterns have changed since <laughs> Joe Biden took office. I, I no longer wake up in the morning and think, what did he tweet? Because I know he really didn't tweet anything. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I think Trump must have had some kind of response. I know the Republicans had a response. They put up Tim Scott, the African-American Senator from South Carolina, and you know just it's a very it's a very thankless job to be honest um i think somebody pointed out that no person who's given that rebuttal has has ever gone on to have uh not done very well in in you know a subsequent presidential election and i think probably one of the main criticisms for scott's speech was it was not really so much a response to to biden but almost kind of like a 2024 pitch for him uh, so we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see. And the key takeaway was his line that says America is not a racist country. Um, that was really the only line I saw repeated over and over that he said uh, from that. And, and to your point about it being sort of the thankless kind of job, it, it is, it's kind of the political equivalent to being on the cover of the Madden video game. I don't know if you've heard of the Madden curse, but yeah, it seems like every time they put somebody on the Madden cover, they get hurt the next year or that following year. And so, yeah, I I totally agree. Like I can't even remember really the last time they put somebody up to do that speech. It's always somebody, Democrats and Republicans both do it. And it's always usually somebody they want to like kind of put out into the front and say, this is who we are. This is what we represent. And it makes perfect sense that the Republicans will put up really the, I think the lone black Republican in the Senate because of all, of course, the things that are going on right now, the Chauvin uh, murder trial uh, verdict, they were, you could see on the right building up to that, they were so ready for riots in the street because they had all, you know, you could tell they had all their materials prepped and their talking points prepped about riots in the street and burning cities down and it didn't happen. And they were so disappointed that it didn't happen. And so the best they could do is put this guy up there and say, Hey, look, you know, we're not racist. Like, 
even though all of our policies might, you know, negatively affect people of color, it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not our intention to do that. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like Tim Scott is not really, um, I don't really see him being able to, to pull it off in 2024. And, and the, you know, the polls that I've seen lately are still have Trump at the top and it's, it's much less enthusiasm for Trump. You know, it's gone from like 80% down to like 65% or something like that, that are like certain they would vote for Trump again. But, you know, I think, I think Laura Trump was interested in running uh, in South Carolina for the other Senate seat. And, and they, you know, oh, in, in North Carolina. Oh, is that it's North Carolina? Yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. Even better, because then we'd have a much better chance of making sure that didn't happen from the Democratic side. And we don't have to rely on the Republicans to actually put up someone, because as we've seen, they refuse to stand up to any Trump. So I'm sure Laura Trump probably fits into that. Yeah, uh, a, fr- a friend of mine just got hired uh, for, for someone who, who's running on the Democratic side. And so I, uh, yeah, so it's just like, kind of familiar with that race right now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, of course, Trump is uh, still, he's still out there. He's still very influential. And as a matter of fact, I know you've been covering the Texas six race to, to replace uh, former uh, Congressman uh, Wright. And it looks like his wife is the sort of heir apparent to that seat. And Trump just recently you know, endorsed her. And I, did you do a story on that? Or I remember you. Yeah, yeah, we've been, we've been covering this. It's a special election. Um, and so probably pro- one of the more marquee things that's going to happen on Saturday. And it is most assuredly going to go to a runoff because uh, there are over 20 candidates in the race. It's a jungle primary. So the top two uh, will will go off to a runoff, uh, assuming nobody gets over 50%. And kind of with that many people, that that's very likely. But yeah, no, Susan Wright did did get that endorsement uh, a bit late, came in on the second to last day of early voting, uh, but no, she had it. And it's actually kind of a big blow because there's a number of Republican candidates in that race who were really, really, really tying themselves to Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had several people that worked in his, in his administration. Uh, one guy, Brian Harrison, he's, he's dropped several hundred thousand dollars into, the ra- into that race, uh, his own money. Uh, he was an HHS administrator, you know, very proud of the fact that he was a part of defunding Planned Parenthood, you know, super MAGA. Uh, we super about, MAGA. Hello. Super MAGA. We've, we've talked about big Dan Rodimer before. Rodimer oh. ran for Congress in Nevada, had Trump's endorsement last November. He uh, flew down to, to Texas to, to run in the special election, uh, kind of infamously didn't even kind of know where it was. Uh, so he filed in the, in the wrong place. Uh, but he was, you know, saying like, oh, Trump's, I'm the Trump guy. And so, yeah, but no, Susan Wright got this endorsement. So, so we will see. Well, there's nothing I love to hear more than Republicans spending six figures against other Republicans. I mean, to be quite honest, that's, that's the best news I've heard all day. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, May 1st, this is Saturday, May 1st uh, is election day all over the state of Texas. So there is the special election in North Texas, but there's stuff on the ballot all over the state. You know, we did a special podcast on some of the things that are going on in Austin because of how it tends to affect and, and show up elsewhere. But, you know, I think one thing we might not have mentioned was the uh, the proposition in Lubbock that's right now to create a sanctuary city for the unborn. Um you know, Texas is not a sanctuary city for the living. So I, I don't really know what it looks like to be a sanctuary city for the unborn, 
But uh, interestingly, Lubbock, so there are several small municipalities around the country and mm -hmm. a few in Texas that have adopted this, uh, which is, by the way, like just blatantly unconstitutional, but right. that's a whole other thing. Uh, however, Lubbock would be the largest city and actually the only city that does have an abortion clinic. Uh, so Planned Parenthood reopened in Lubbock a few months ago and abortion services did return about 10, like right before, uh, right when early voting was starting on this proposition. Um, so interestingly, also the city council voted on this last year. They unanimously, unanimously voted against it, even though several council members said, you know, I support this personally, but again, this is blatantly unconstitutional. We're going to get, you know, sued to the wazoo about this. Um, and that likely will happen if, if that were to pass. Um, so that, that has been, um, you know, very, uh, obviously with all of the anti-choice bills we've seen in the Texas legislature, um, this is, I think, an escalation of that. So we, we will see if, if Lubbock does actually vote for that proposition. Yeah. And I have a friend that's working on that campaign and, and actually in my day job, I, I work for a data firm and, and stuff, and we're actually working on that as well. Um, and, and we're feeding, you know, <clears throat> ads and things like that to, to defeat this proposition. And we're, you know, targeting, you know, the university students there, you know, who probably have no idea what's really going on with the city, but it's really important. And, um, you know, especially in light of like what's going on at the Capitol right now, there is a lot of discussion, a, a big scandal happening right now where there's a couple of different investigations over uh, a, a lobbyist uh, allegedly gave a date rate pill to a alleged staffer. And so I just, I just think it's just, it kind of highlights the horrific nature of, you know, the, like the bills that they have there so that you can sue uh, like a rapist would literally be able to sue the person he raped or in the, in their doctor, if that person had an abortion and you see things like this going on at the same time. And it really, it really kind of puts into perspective, you know, what their priorities are. And, and, you know, basically they're constantly targeting the most vulnerable populations who have the hardest time fighting back. I mean, and, that, that bill you referenced at the Texas Capitol, it, it, it's incredibly, you know, as you said, it's worded in a way where anyone affiliated with any sort of abortion services could be sued. I mean, that could also include sort of the telemedicine provider. This could like, it, even oh, yeah, it is worded right. so unspecifically, like if, if you were to take a rideshare service somewhere, like it is, and it, and it would sort of give, um, you know, if, if, if a potential rapist, the ability to to sue for for parental rights and the I think some people noted on social media that the sponsor of that house bill Shelby Slauson uh, was one of the the most uh, vocal people denouncing the the capital culture and so she mm -hmm. had a sort of a tweet one day where she's like we're gonna wear pink in solidarity yeah it's like well you know, I don't really know if that's yeah. How gross? Yeah, yeah. it's pretty gross. That's, that's this, this isn't this isn't Mean Girls. We we don't need that. Yeah, and it's always them. They 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 want to be the first out there to say that they they support you know women. This is this is unbelievable. It just kind of reminds me of that um that line from uh, Casablanca where the guy comes in and is like, I can't believe that there's gambling going on here. You here know, you're winning, sir. Yeah, here you're winning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like what? Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Republicans love nothing more than spending tons of money and, and tying up the courts and a bunch of BS and no different for our, our friend and Attorney General Kim Paxton, 
who is apparently got a whole nother slew of lawsuits against the Biden administration. And, you know, it was Abbott, our current governor, who he used to be attorney general. And he famously said, uh, you know, I I wake up in the morning, I sue the federal government and then I go home. And it's 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 such an awful thing, uh, you know, that that that's literally he thinks this is a great line. Um, And so, you know, a little bit more about this. Paxton is suing over immigration, but I think one of the big things here is this outside group that he's working with for these lawsuits. Sure. Yeah. So Paxton really did set the tone, you know, similar to Abbott, where it wasn't even 72 hours into the Biden administration when he filed uh, the first immigration related lawsuit that was for a deportation moratorium. Uh, So that is currently tied up in the courts. But yes. So last week, Paxton filed a new immigration federal lawsuit Uh, This one was actually using a lot of wording regarding COVID-19, saying that uh, the the, uh, migrant facilities were uh, facilitating uh, spread of COVID-19 throughout Texas. Uh, Essentially, we need to start start sending people back to Mexico because of that. But there was an outside group that was this outside council, and it was called America First Legal Foundation. So America Legal First Foundation is led by Stephen Miller. Uh, Hmm. For those aren't familiar, Stephen Miller was a senior advisor to the Trump campaign, later became a senior advisor in the Trump administration. Uh, He is a notoriously anti-immigrant person. Uh, You can go to the Southern Poverty Law Center. They have a whole hate watch dedicated to to this individual. Um, You know, truly one of the people, he was truly kind of responsible for the child separation policy. But he has now started this legal group and it is providing the outside legal counsel for for Paxton's lawsuit. Uh, So while Stephen Miller is leading this organization, has a whole board of directors filled with former Trump appointees, uh, Mark Meadows, who was a former chief of staff, sort of a House Freedom Caucus member, very, very right wing, uh, the former head of the OMB, Russ Vought, also ultra right wing. Um, So yes, this is kind of the the group that has, I think, trying to position itself as a sort of a right-wing counter to the ACLU. And uh, so yes, our taxpayer dollars are essentially paying for Stephen Miller and and this group. I mean, you know, I'm pretty well trained at this point to not think it can get worse. But every time it does, I still just have to shake my head and like, you know, like Stephen, like, these grifters, you know, they just find the, ne- they just latch on to the kind of like the next thing. And, and apparently he was already setting this whole thing up, you know, at, during the last days of the Trump administration and to find a new place for him. I mean, he's a really young guy, you know? Um, so he is Shocking, little... shockingly young. Yeah. Uh, John, John Oliver has a kind of famous segment where he doesn't, he doesn't quite look his age. And so John Oliver sort of lists like all the people that are like, third, like he's like, he is the same age as Nicki Minaj. And it, oh. it is, a, it's, I mean, it's, it's funny, but also uh, maybe, maybe kind of not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just to think and how much longer this guy has, you know, to, to just be awful for the rest of his life. Um, but you know, so you were also mentioning that Sid Miller, our buddy Sid Miller is also using this organization, uh, for his lawsuits and it makes perfect sense, right? Because Sid Miller's lawsuit is over discrimination, of course, discrimination of white people, um, in Biden's farm aid bill, 
where he says, well, you know, white farmers can't get this aid or something like that. It's, it's, it's maybe targeted towards, you know, people of color getting, getting, you know, farmers and getting them aid and assistance. And so he is suing over this. And so, you know, Stephen Miller's being well known as sort of um, white, white supremacist, or at the very least white nationalist um, sympathizer, you know, it, it makes and perfect we, sense. Yeah. And we should, we should note that for Sid Miller's lawsuit, that's actually uh, in his personal capacity, not as a, as uh, the agricultural um, commissioner of the state of Texas, uh, but he does have a, a large uh, farm ranch uh, up somewhere in Texas. And yeah, so he basically is citing this provision in the relief bill that, you know, sort of stipulates uh, that, there, you know, a certain amount of relief has to go to farmers of, of color. I think it's not even necessarily worded in a way, just it's, but it, that is the argument that um, it is discriminatory towards white farmers. And, and sure enough, uh, Miller's legal counsel is that America First Legal Foundation. Uh, so I have a feeling we're, we're probably not going to see the last of them. Um, this kind of seems like the, the beginning of a, a long-standing trend they might have in Texas, which uh, so we probably have to have to get used to that. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're probably right. And um, in the age of you know Biden and, and sort of Democrat you know majorities, uh, we're going to see you know more legislation that is progressive, and they're going to just have more lawsuits. That's going to be sort of how they deal with this and. Yeah, it's quite my, my a, big question. My big question with Sid Miller. I don't know if you ever saw Borat Two, but in the trailer for yeah. Borat Two, they definitely sh- uh, showed Sid Miller with, with you know, opposite uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. And then, but the actual movie, he wasn't in it. So I'm kind of waiting for that director's cut. If we'll ever, uh, we'll yeah, ever get that's that. A good point. Yeah, you know what? I, I remember seeing that the the little clip or something like there was a little bit of. Um, a short outtake they they uh, published and he you know he made light of it uh, Sid Miller himself but I did watch the movie and totally forgot because I'd never you know he never came up on the screen now that you mention it um, but yeah that's my, that's my Sid Miller story yeah. <laughs> and we all have got one I guess at this point um, <clears throat> but you know speaking of you know the Biden Biden plans one you know his infrastructure plan does what looks like people are 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 intuiting that it, it some of this money could be used for the Ike Dyke, and for folks who don't know what the Ike Dyke is, that's just sort of the colloquial name for the coastal barrier that they want to build, that many people want to build along <clears throat> uh, to protect essentially what is the Houston port uh, that would you know protect against storm surge from hurricanes, and you know there was tons of flooding from Ike. Obviously, there was tons of flooding from Harvey, and the idea here is, and these dikes are already, you know, in real. They already use them in other places in Europe and things like that, uh, where they're, you know, a little more advanced and 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 seeing infrastructure as something that's needed for everyone. But the interesting thing to me about this is that Republicans have spent so much time trying to say that Biden is trying to kill the energy industry. And, you know, his his climate change plans, the Green New Deal and all that is going to kill. But really, this is this is about a it's about jobs. But the thing that first thing that happens when they talk about a storm surge coming to Houston is they shut those plants down and there's lots of burn off that happens. I mean, it's super expensive. 
not just having them not operating, but literally the process of shutting those plants down is incredibly expensive. And then you see oil spike, literally global oil prices spike when Houston shuts its oil industry down. And so by building the Ike Dyke, they would, in theory, and you know, hopefully be able to prevent having to do that and, and prevent, obviously, all the damage, the billions of dollars worth of property damage that happens, lives lost and all that from these types of storms. And so you know, a lot of folks in Texas have been talking about this. My, my father was on the select committee uh, for, for the Ike Dyke when they were originally doing the, the research for it. And um, this could be a really good thing for the Texas economy. Um, you know, and, and when they asked Trump about it, he laughed and he even came to Houston in 2019 for a rally and he brought it up and, you know, all the Texas Republicans like Greg Abbott and, and, uh, Dan Patrick were in the crowd and, and he laughed at him. He said, you know, Abbott and these guys, they call me up and they want all this money. They want $10 billion for something that may work, may not work. They want to build a wall out in the ocean, you know? He thought it was a joke. And so it's just really unbelievable. To be fair, know. I think this was also the same individual who thought you could nuke a hurricane. So that I'm not sure he is really equipped to understand uh, yeah. the, these sort of concepts. Um, but no, I think you're, you're completely spot on. The number one word that Biden used in his address to Congress was jobs. And, you know, one of Abbott's big criticisms of, of all of this is, you know, that all these talks from Biden, these are job killers. This is going to destroy the Texas economy. Um, you know what really destroys the Texas economy are these once in a lifetime storms that we're seeing m- multiple times in, in one's lifetime. You know, I think Houston has endured enough to, that we know. Um, I, I don't think this, this city can sort of I don't think it cannot not build the Ike Dyke. Um, this is, I think, something that probably should have been done a long time ago. And now I think time is of the essence. So if we can actually get this done, uh, protect jobs, protect energy jobs, it seems to make sense. I think only if you're a Texas Republican, does it not? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's a sad state. Um, but, you know, I think we're just beyond the point where logic facts and all that stuff really plays into it and certainly science and um and that's just really unfortunate obviously yeah Um, i I think if there's one thing that the COVID 19 pandemic has shown me is uh there is a whole lot of people in our state who just do not trust science do not believe in science nope 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 yeah and I, i don't the thing i don't ever understand is like who do they trust and how do they all end up on the same page that science is what's wrong? And we see it all the time and we're seeing it more and more, the total disrespect and lack of trust of experts in general across the board. I mean, the whole discussion about we can't call Jill Biden, Dr. Biden, um, because she is a PhD and not a medical doctor just really just kind of brings that home that they don't, you know, for the past few years, they've tried to say professors and, 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 you know, people with advanced degrees are, are liberal, which, you know, okay. Uh, maybe that says something about when you become an expert about something and you start thinking about it differently and, and, and looking at facts and really weighing that as opposed to just your opinion. Um, but 
yeah, this has been a long campaign of, of sort of just attacking experts and, 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 and people who are, what you would think are the authority on subject matter and why they've chosen to trust Republican politicians. I'm not really sure. You know, I don't know what their credentials are other than having an R next to their name on any of these things. But I mean, I, I, uh, or even, you know, we've had some well-known folks in Texas uh, and Joe Rogan was recently on his podcast, basically saying his advice to a healthy 21 year old is to (laughs) not get the vaccine. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm probably going to trust someone like Dr. Fauci over the former host of Fear Factor, (laughs) who also appeared in like the Kevin James movie Zookeeper. I'm just I think I'm going to stick with Dr. Fauci on that. Um, But no, I mean, that has consequences. You know, we've seen parts in Texas where I think the the level of population that has been vaccinated, it's it's kind of stagnating around 10 to 15 percent in some of those rural counties. And that's Mm -hmm. that's that's not good, Um, especially if people really do want us to get back to normal and to start, you know, getting back to the things that we, we all want to do, that's, that's, there's big consequences to having a huge swath of the population that doesn't trust scientific authority figures. Right. And it just breeds a lot of paranoia and, you know, of, of authority and, and people, you know, who are mostly just trying to do the right thing. And, you know, that kind of brings up to me, you know, voting and, and things like that, because a lot of these, you know, folks who are running elections are the same way. They're just following the rules, trying to do the right thing. A lot of them, you know, it's really patriotic and it's a great civic duty to, to participate in the electoral process. And these people have just been demonized over and over again, lied about completely, you know, people claiming they're, they're cheating and they're they're changing results and these people are just going to work, doing their jobs, just like everybody else. And, and the punishment for cheating an election is so incredibly harsh. Nobody would in their right mind would risk, you know, federal prosecution felonies for a, a second vote to vote twice or something like that. Um, and if anybody was doing it at any scale that they've claimed, we would have so much evidence and so far none. As a matter of fact, you probably saw that the feds just raided Rudy's place. Uh, and so, man, that that's so great. He deserves everything. They played this clip that was him saying, you know, we're doing this audit. And, you know, if we don't find anything, we're going to look really stupid. But if we find something, there's a lot of people that are going to go to jail. And, you know, I think he was right about both. I think they're going to both look stupid and a lot of people are going to go to jail. It's just going to be those same people that look stupid. They're just going to be looking stupid in jail is what, you know, it's kind of shaping out to look like. But um, but here in Texas, of course, we've been following the voter suppression bills. There's a couple of them. There's SB7, there's HB6. The sort of at least as far as I'm caught up to, like literally up till today, uh, what happened was they essentially gutted SB7 and replaced it with the language from HB6. And so they're trying to get one of these bills, obviously, to the floor, to the governor. And essentially, a little kerfuffle took place in the election 
committee today. I've never seen a chairman get owned so much in one session as Frisco Kane on this issue. He keeps trying over and over and just messing up. And you might have He's better. Not, not, not quite ready for prime time. Not, <laughs> not ready for prime time. So you may have a better uh, explanation of what actually took place today. Sure. So by the way, I, I would point people to look at HB6, but it is not publicly online right now. So mm, you cannot do that. This is uh, so yeah, so Briscoe Kane in that elections committee attempted to bring up for a vote <laughs> Senate Bill 7. Uh, Senate Bill 7 uh, did did pass out of um, it out of the Senate of, of last week. And um, th- th- this, uh, there was no notice of this. No one on the elections committee knew this was happening until like minutes before it actually happened. So it did cause cause a huge commotion. Uh, you you could hear some of the uh, the Democratic members on that committee: uh, Jessica Gonzalez, uh, John Busey, um, Jessica. Uh, we try and keep it PG thirteen, so I can't quite repeat what she said. Um, but she was not pleased about that. Uh, so Kane ultimately sort of did sort of pull that and then said, you know, we'll, we'll vote on this at a later time. And then there was a press conference at the Texas AFL-CIO following that had a lot of these same groups that have been, you know, really laser focused on, on this legislation, uh, you know, Move Texas, Texas Civil Rights Project, um, common cause Texas. Uh, so they, you know, were sort of denouncing this effort. Uh, John Busey was also there. And, you know, uh, and then there was another member and I, 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 I did not quite catch his name. He was a former member, you know, really pointed out that, you know, in all of his tenure in the state legislature, he had never seen sort of a chairperson do something like this. I guess it is not, not technically out of the procedural realm, uh, but no, no chairperson would ever attempt a stunt like this. Um, I used a lot of discretion in my headline. So even though I really wanted to go with Kane's gambit, I did not just because this is actually a very serious thing. Yeah. Um, but, and this is true. And a lot of the, the folks that were at that press conference from these voting rights organizations, you know, we're also hammering home that this legislation is not popular uh, we've seen so many people trek to the Capitol, offer up their testimony during a pandemic uh, because uh, virtual wasn't allowed. Yeah. Uh, we've seen corporations. We've talked about this numerous times before, you know, American Airlines, Dell, yeah. that pressure people are trying to put on AT&T and other organizations like Southwest to denounce this. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has really put kind of a, a focus on to, on to Texas. And even uh, throughout Twitter, I, I, there was, I think, a brief point when Briscoe Kane was was trending, which, oh, you, you never want to do that. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. And I believe that the original hearing, to your point, was 22 hours or something like that is what I heard. And, and you know, usually, typically for a session, there's one or two bills that that bring out that kind of uh, attention and and fervor from you know voters and things. But in a pandemic, that is a whole nother level that people would risk coming down and stay that long and in in proximity to so many other people because this is such an important thing. And you know, I mentioned on our uh, our staff call this morning that I that Black Voters Matter, the, one of the organizations from Atlanta or from Georgia that helped to flip that state is now here in Texas uh, fighting these bills. And they have actually recently hired, I think, a state director. So I think they're going to be doing some more long-term organizing, which is really great. I had the chance to talk to 
one of the co-founders, Cliff Albright, and he mentioned that, you know, their thing is really getting out of the cities and get to mm-hmm. those smaller communities that are disconnected from what's going on. And that was really great uh, to hear because that's, we need a lot of that, you know, in Austin, we have no problem turning people out. Dallas, y'all are killing it up there in terms of like getting people out to vote, really pushing the envelope on things. And Harris County, obviously this past uh, election cycle really did a lot of innovative things to get out the vote. But beyond those centers, we are still not doing nearly well enough. And it's going to take organizations like that to let people know that their voice counts, their voice matters, uh, and that they, they re- it's so important that we get out and vote. And I really think that these bills, and I think it was Senator Boris Miles who made this point on the Senate floor, but these bills, you know, I hope he's right, will drive more attention. And, and you know, it's like, it, even if you don't, like if you have something and you don't use it, you don't care about it, but somebody walks up and tries to take it from you, it's yours, you're going to be upset about it. And I think that I'm hoping that that's the, that's the effect that these bills have is like, well, yeah, you know, maybe I haven't voted, but the fact that you're trying to take it away clues to me that you must think it's really important. Maybe it is really important. And there's a lot of tremendous amount of value there. And so the hope is, you know, that these things don't pass, but we still can bring the attention that they deserve because these are really big deals. And, you know, I mean, what, what Briscoe Cain did was incredibly, I mean, it's shady. It was done, you know, trying to sneak this through. And I think because he knows that it's, this is unpopular, it would have a huge impact um, and I think they're, they're kind of scared. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's certainly how they're acting. Um, and you know, they have their bills that they are championing to kind of, you know, as red meat for the base. But as you mentioned with these bills, they're not popular. So the other bills like the permitless carry bill that look like for a moment, it, well, it actually had stalled in the Senate. Uh, Dan Patrick said it did not have the votes to to leave the Senate. And so he basically established a new committee, a constitutional committee that would hear this specific bill and maybe other bills like it. And they might as well just call it the red meat committee, right? Because that's essentially what it is. And well, don't forget, Biden's also trying to take away our red meat. So that's <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Fake news. Right. Um, yeah. Abbott, Abbott tweeting that fake report from Fox News that. Uh, Biden wants to limit your red meat consumption to four he does, pounds he a does year. Not, he does, he does yeah, not, folks. Yeah, that is not in the Biden plan. Um, so, you know, the sanctuary city, sanctuary state for the Second Amendment is another bill that complete platitude, right? Totally meaningless. Uh, basically, Abbott is trying to say we're not going to enforce federal law in the state of Texas. Uh, and that's what that bill is about. And he was tweeting about it today. So, you know, meanwhile, we still haven't fixed the power grid and there's still more stories coming out uh, from ERCOT saying, you know, we're going to have a heck of a summer. It's likely that we could see blackouts, brownouts and all kinds of other things if we have a hotter than normal summer or expected summer. Well, it's a bad thing that we live in Texas then where it does tend to get kind of hot. Yeah. Yeah. We tend to have hot summers and have been hotter and hotter every year. So, uh, yeah, you know, if, you know, if you plan to cook burgers, make sure you got enough propane because 
your 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 gas stove or your maybe, I mean, maybe your electric should, stove. Maybe maybe people should turn to these plant based burgers. I, I don't know how they work, but maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. uh, actually, they're really good. I I've actually had the Impossible Burger, and I've had oh, um, really yeah. There there's the Impossible Burger, and then there's the other one Beyond Beyond Meat, and I've gotten both. I think at the uh, in the grocery store and made patties. And they're really good. I, I was, I was skeptical, but, okay. but, but right. uh, I'll, I'll keep an open mind then. <laughs> really? Yeah, I do give it a try. Uh, you know, but, um, <clears throat> so one of the other major bills that they, they've kind of, they've taken, you know, to carry the flag is the camping ban, the statewide camping ban. This is another one of those targeting initially targeting Austin. And they're basically trying to do at the statewide level, what, the, the Republicans in, in Travis County are trying to do an Austin, which is, which is basically pass a camping ban for homeless so that they can't, um, you know, so essentially it would create a fine. And if they can't pay the fine, like a $500 fine, I don't know what a homeless person can pay a $500 fine, but if they can't, they will go to jail. And so in some ways it is a housing program for the homeless, but it's literally in jail. So um, that's not the way that we should probably do it. It's not a good long-term solution. Certainly it's not an ethical or a moral solution, but it is a good piece of red meat that they can pass around. And so there was a bill going through the house. This is a, I think a priority bill of the governor that would ban uh, camping statewide. And there was a couple of points of order uh, this was really, um, this was a real, a highlight of the other day because the point of order was the, the Travis County party, Republican party chair who signed up to testify on behalf of this bill. And he's the one pushing the campaign in Austin. And so this is his statewide bill, which he was, you know, standing next shoulder to shoulder with, you know, Greg Abbott. Uh, promoting this, but he was there testifying on behalf of that pack in, in Austin, save Austin now. Well, he had, he, he said to the committee that he was testifying on, on behalf of this organization on two organizations, save Austin now and save Austin now pack two separate organizations. The way he recorded it in the uh, sort of like the, the witness list for the committee he left off one of the organizations. I think he just put Save Austin Now and he left off Save Austin Now PAC. Well, that's a point of order because if you're speaking on behalf of an organization, you have to list that in the witness list. And so essentially he he may not kill the bill, but he certainly stopped, he prevented it from passing uh, that day. We're not exactly house. working with a bunch of Perry Masons here, as I think what you're <laughs> trying to say. <laughs> Thank goodness, because I, I, you know, their own incompetence is uh, sadly as or more effective than anything Democrats can do. And we've seen that over and over again uh, with Briscoe Kane, as we mentioned earlier, how many times he's flubbed this, this voter suppression bill on his own account. He's he's messed this up. And so here you go again, another chair of Republican Party screwing up his pet bill and point of personal privilege my dad was one of the ones who filed this point of order he, he filed this point of order there were two points of order i think that were essentially good points of order and uh it didn't permanently kill the bill but what it did do was send the bill back to committee and but thanks to the state representative then 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. This, this is really great. You know, that I was really happy to hear that, that he did that. And essentially what it, what happened was it sent the bill back to the committee and there's only two weeks left at the time. This was a few days ago. There's at the time, there was only two weeks left uh, for bills to come out of committee to get to the floor to be voted on, essentially to get to the calendar, which is the, there's a calendar committee uh, for the, for, for those listeners out there. Once a bill passes uh, a committee in the house, it goes to another committee called the calendar committee. They get together and they decide on what day the full legislature, uh, the house will actually hear any individual bill and vote on it on the floor. And so if this bill does not leave the committee by that deadline, it basically has no path to get to the floor in time to be voted on. And so it may not be dead yet, but it is on its sort of last leg. It really needs some help. So I think folks who are watching this bill, um, I believe it's 1925. Uh, but if you're watching this bill, uh, you want to look at the next committee hearing that's going to come up uh, in next week, the first week of May. And if it's not on that um, call list, uh, it, it's likely probably dead. But, it, you know, it's just one of those things we have to continue to watch. There are other avenues that they could take, like they could take that bill and try to attach it as an amendment to another bill that's similar, but they would have to find a bill that's similar enough. And, and as they, the, the word is germane, they have to find a bill that's germane that it would sort of fit in with uh, as a package. So the point being is that, yeah, it's it, they're running out of time to bring that back up. And so we may or may not see that this session. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot. I know we're watching a lot of the stuff, the Senate, uh, there's a, a handful of, uh, police reform bills. We've also been watching. I know the Senate passed, uh, unanimously passed the bill that would ban chokeholds, uh, by police officers. That's a good thing. Uh, the house also passed uh, a handful of police reforms, but you know, there's two chambers. So we really have to watch these things as they, as they roll out. And as, as the, the calendar comes to a close here. We're kind of within the last sort of throes of, you know, bills moving before everything gets on the floor and starts being voted out and, and headed to the governor's desk. So yeah, and we, we should probably point out, I know that we're, we're, we are definitely headed towards at least a special session for redistricting. Um, you know, that was another story The the census did officially uh, reach our, uh, uh, did finally, uh, sort of send those results. So we have two congressional uh, seats that we, we added, um, but we, redistricting won't, won't take place for, for a while there. Yeah, we're still watching that. Apportionment was, of course, uh, at the beginning of the week. And apportionment basically said that Texas is going to get two new congressional seats. And, you know, it's very likely that we that with a better count and some investment from the state, which we did not receive, that we probably could have gotten three congressional seats. Uh, so we have Abbott to thank uh, for sitting on his hands and not, you know, putting the resources. He didn't put resources in uh, for the count until like late September or something like that uh, to Definitely even start counting people. Right. Not, not nearly enough time, you know, with the pandemic and everything like that, uh, slowing things down uh, from the start, we had a whole year and he waited till the very end to do anything. And that was intentional because his 
loyalty is not for the state of Texas. His loyalty is to the GOP writ large, the, the national party. And the way they see it, giving more seats to places like Texas means that likely Democrat Democrats are going to pick those seats up uh, because really because of where you are, the growth is in North Texas in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And some of the towns like Plano um, and Frisco have really grown literally by 10 X in some cases uh, over the last 10 years. I know I saw Plano is either Plano or Frisco that went from like 33,000 to 300 to two over 200,000 in in the last 10 years. And so, and then they, they actually colored the map based on uh, the voting pattern when it was just 33,000 and the voting pattern to when it was 22,000. And these are neighboring cities. And what happened was Frisco or Plano, I think was a little redder than Frisco. One flipped uh, from red to blue and the other one flipped from deep red to like pale pink. So, you know, they're, that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of that growth they can only, you know, gerrymander the line so much. So they're, they're really concerned about that. Um, and that's super unfortunate for us. That means a lot of money we don't get. Oh, it's uh, about two. Uh, I've, I've been researching this. Uh, so the George Washington Public Policy Institute, they uh, estimated that a 1% undercount is $290 million over 10 years lost federal funding. Unbelievable. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. I mean, and, and, you know, and we can go on and on about how much money they're costing us through not expanding Medicaid and, and, and just point after point after point. Um, even the things that they're complaining about on the border, there is money in the infrastructure plan. There's money. Uh, Biden talked about last night in his speech that he wants to put towards technology at the border instead of a wall. And of course, they're going to fight it the whole way. We know they will. And so they don't really care about you know, anything but the fight and the power. And that's unfortunate, but we're going to keep them honest. We're going to keep following this and, you know, we'll, we'll keep, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be at the governor's mansion, you know, with like a boom box playing like bitch better have my money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All of our money. We want it. We want every dime. But uh, is that, is there anything else that, that you want to cover? I, I think that's about it. Um, you know, I, I see this uh, lovely uh, beach beach view that you have. Um, so, you know, I, I think places are opening up to, to yeah. for travelers. So maybe maybe we can all join Ted Cruz down in, in Cancun pretty soon. And yeah, hopefully yeah. he's 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 gotten his nap in. I know he, he took a little. Yeah, little we need to make sure he's getting his rest. Yeah, you know, there's a you know, hate, hate will tire you out. It's, it's, it's a, you know, severe activity that, you know, is, can be draining apparently mm-hmm. to people. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll keep an eye on him and everyone else. These, these guys at the state Capitol um, and we'll keep tabs on them. So, you know, special thanks to everybody who's listening and our, our patrons who keep funding the Texas signal to make sure we can do this progressive journalism we really appreciate it you know make sure to follow us on twitter at left at uh at texas signal and at texassignal.com all the great reporting that we're doing and you'll probably see even more great stuff coming out soon really excited about the things that we've got cooking lots more content different types of content multimedia content i see you're always you know on your text mix podcast you're always you know having great guests and you you put out these little clips these kind of like little teaser clips about what you're talking about that stuff is super cool love seeing that and i think we're going to see a lot more of it we've got a really talented team and they're just now getting settled 
settled in, it seems like, into to their roles and and really starting to stretch their legs and and uh, get really creative. Mm-hmm. That's very exciting. Yeah. So until next week, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys.